just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. Hope you had a good weekend. If you celebrate Halloween, I hope it was a good one for you. You know, for me, for a long time, holidays got kind of stale. My kids grew up. You kind of went through the motions. You did what you had to do. But now that I have grandchildren, it's way more exciting. It's a lot more fun. I really anticipated Halloween this time because I was able to get a chance to see my grandkids all dressed up, all excited, and having fun. And that's important to me. So I got to see my grandson, who's nine years old. He was dressed in a black cloak, and he had this fake plastic sigh. So apparently he was the Grim Reaper, and when you're 61 years old, the last thing you want to see is a Grim Reaper. What saved me, though, is I knew that under all that was this adorable, toe-headed nine-year-old that I loved, and uh, it was just fun to see him. My granddaughter, 18 months old, she was an absolutely terrifying kitty, (laughs) but they had a great time. And it's fun to see these kids have a great time. I remember Halloween when I was a young boy. It was exciting. It was fun. And now to see my grandchildren be able to experience that same thing, uh, it's exciting to me. I enjoy it very much. Now, I will say this. There will be people out there that don't celebrate holidays for whatever reason. Don't mistake what I'm saying here as being disrespectful to you. It's a Rational Boomer podcast. I'm talking about me in this particular instance, and I'm telling you what I went through. I'm not telling you have to celebrate these holidays that I do, but I do, and it's my show, and I'm going to talk about it. So no disrespect if you don't uh, celebrate these holidays, uh, and I appreciate your patience waiting for me to get through it. Anyhow, let's talk about some of the things that are going on in the news, and there's a lot of it. You know, it's funny, every time I sit down to do the Rational Boomer podcast, it seems like I say the same thing. Oh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. And it's true. I've never seen politics be so busy in my life as it has been for the last four and a half years. Always something going on, sometimes something positive. A lot of times it's something negative, and uh, I can't help but pay attention to it. That helps me do this Rational Boomer podcast and the TikToks. I'm kind of addicted to watching these things and then trying to boil them down to actual specifics as opposed to the sensationalism and uh, the salaciousness of these stories, which is what the media pretty much focuses on. But there's more to the stories, things we need to understand in order to make good choices in the future. So I'm doing my best to give you that information so that you're better informed and when it comes to voting or whatever, at least you have something in the back of your mind to consider before you make choices, unlike what you get from the media, the Internet, TV, what have you. They don't always tell you everything. Well, it turns out that there were a ton, I mean tons, of red flags leading up to the January 6th insurrection. 
We're hearing now that the FBI, the police, National Guard, all these people knew that there was the possibility of some violence on January 6th. It was all there. I mean, you saw violent rhetoric on social media on the day of the insurrection, before the insurrection happened. We had a group of Trump over at the Washington Monument trying to break in the door, causing all kinds of problems, threatening violence. There was even a situation apparently where they were in some park and there were some park police there in encircled by Trumplicans, and they were threatening and yelling and screaming and doing all that stuff. That was well before the insurrection. After that, they all joined up. They walked up to the Capitol, and for whatever reason, they walked through the fences. They walked up to the Capitol. They broke some windows, but they got in. I mean, the fact of the matter is we're talking about the United States of America and our U.S. Capitol. Why in the hell was it so easy for them to pull this off, especially since we had forewarning about what might occur? Well, that's an excellent, uh, excellent question. Now, a lot of people, a lot of Trumplicans tried to blame Nancy Pelosi for the Capitol break in, which is weird. These are the same people that uh, said it was just tourist or or just a quiet, calm protest. But they still want to blame it on Nancy Pelosi. She should have done something. Well, here's the interesting part of the story. Donald Trump is quoted as saying, if the people in charge would have done what they were supposed to do, January 6th would have never happened. Well, what do you mean, dude? You told us it didn't happen. Now you're blaming the people in charge for letting it happen. Well, apparently Donald Trump was told later that, uh, dude, it's January 6th. You were still president. You were the one in charge. (laughs) Donald Trump will try to blame anybody for anything, even though it's his fault. That's just the way he does things. He diverts, distracts. And he points at other people. He blames people for the very thing he's guilty of every goddamn time. And I'm tired of him getting away with it. Now, why did these people get up to the Capitol so easily and get in so easily? Well, here's one reason. Donald Trump was in charge. And from the moment he heard about the attack on the Capitol... He did absolutely nothing, zero, for 187 minutes. That's over three hours. The President of the United States saw the U.S. Capitol being attacked. He did absolutely nothing. Ironically, nobody did anything to protect Donald Trump, which seems weird. You get attack on our government, you'd probably want to put the president in a bunker or something and keep him safe because all hell is going to break loose. Now, one of the things I said as I was sitting watching this insurrection and my wife and I were talking about it, why don't they just send in the National Guard? Get them in there, shut this down early, maybe save some lives, save some injuries and save our country. Send in the National Guard. Well, 
The person that had to do that is a direction from Donald Trump to somebody in the Pentagon. It's not like other National Guards. Most National Guards are run and controlled by the state. But in Washington, D.C., it's run by the Pentagon. And we know Donald Trump had put some losers in the Pentagon. Remember how he fired a bunch of people and then he put a lot of loyal lackeys in their place in the Pentagon. And when it came down to needing somebody to tell the National Guard to head out and give some help, nothing happened. We even heard about, um, I think it was the governor of Maryland, calling the Pentagon, begging these people for help, and they still didn't provide it. It's fucking amazing to me. Now, The interesting thing is there were Republicans and Democrats in the Capitol when this all happened. And a lot of these people were scared shitless, even the Republicans. In fact, there's a report that Lindsey Graham, while he was in the middle of this attack, now he's a Republican, he kisses Trump's ass. You would think he'd think he'd be safe. But apparently he was concerned because he yelled at the sergeant of arms and said, we gave you guns. Why don't you use your guns? Take back the Senate. Take back the Capitol. Those are odd words from Lindsey Graham, given how he's talking now. The way he talks now is these were just tourists. It was a quiet and peaceful protest. See what I mean about these people, whether it be Donald Trump, Lindsey Graham, or any of these Republicans. They are blatant liars. They will say anything to cover their ass. They have not a thought of taking and telling somebody a lie. And they think people are stupid enough to believe the lies. I mean, the shit can be in writing, and they will still lie to you. That is unbelievable to me. Well, part of the reason they do that is because they were allowed to do that. Every time they lied, they weren't held accountable for it. And why? Well, because Donald Trump was in office and he didn't force the issue. He wasn't concerned about people lying. He didn't care if they lied, long as it benefited him. Well, now we have the Democrats in control. So... When the election happened and Joe Biden came into office and they put Merrick Garland in the DOJ as the attorney general, we assumed things would start to happen. Now, there are some people out there that are saying nothing's happening, that uh, Merrick Garland is doing nothing. That's not true. I mean, we know that uh, Rudy Giuliani's place and people he know have been raided There's investigations there, and they're in some deep shit. There's been other raids and investigations and those sorts of things. So they are taking some action. But the average Joe on the street wants to see them take down some of the people in Congress that were part of this insurrection or some of the advisors to Donald Trump. And I will have to agree with that. In fact, a... U.S. Representative in the House of Representatives, Ruben Gallego, he's a Democrat from Arizona, he issued an ultimatum to Attorney General Merrick Garland. He said, look, either Merrick Garland steps it up or he needs to step out. 
He said the Attorney General's most important job is protecting our Constitution. Gallego criticized Garland not just for failing to go after former Trump officials, but also going easy on the January 6th rioters. He said that Merrick Garland was showing weakness at a time when we really needed strength. Now, in spite of some of the things he's done, I have to agree with Representative Gallego completely. We have some big issues out there. We have some high officials that apparently have done some things that endanger this country, endanger our our system of government, of democracy. And we need something to be done about it. They've already been referred, um, Steve Bannon, for criminal contempt. That should be an easy one. Because Steve Bannon was out of the White House in 2017. This took place January 6, 2021. There are no connections. There's no executive privilege here, even if they could assert executive privilege. We know Donald Trump wants to do that, but Joe Biden's the one that makes the choice, and he says, no, we're not doing that. So Steve Bannon should be an easy choice. Send it to the grand jury, put him on trial, find him guilty, put him in jail where he can no longer do any more damage. That should be an easy one. But we haven't heard that yet. I don't know how long that process takes. But we have a big problem here, and Merrick Garland has a big problem. There are a lot of people in this country. I've made posts on TikTok, and I get most of the people saying the same thing. Merrick Garland is weak. He's not what we expected. We felt sorry for him when he didn't get the Supreme Court, but now we're glad he didn't because he doesn't do anything. Again, that's not totally true, but he does have to assert himself here. He does have to show that he's strong. Now, the thing with Merrick Garland is that he's an old-school politician, and there are certain norms that you do and you don't do, you know, As far as prosecuting people in the previous administration, he doesn't want to make it look like it's a political thing. But here's the deal. People in this country keep hearing from people like Merrick Garland that nobody is above the law. So Merrick, this is the time you have to fucking prove it. When you say nobody's above the law, I'm assuming you mean everybody. Nobody is above the law, whether they were in a political campaign, uh, presidential administration, or whatever they've done. The fact of the matter is, if they commit a crime, they need to be held accountable. And there's a big reason to do that in this country. It's for morale. People are feeling bad about the fact that they appear to be getting away with things. And honestly, I don't know that that's the truth. It takes a long time to get these things processed. But there's so little talk about it, so little understanding, and the actions are so slow, people are feeling upset about it. And I understand it, and I agree with them. We need some action. We need people to be accountable. It isn't like they broke some small law. These people on January 6th, whether they be the insurrectionists or the people in Congress that aided them or helped them or planned it with them, they need to be held accountable. 
to make the country feel like that their government is actually doing something to stop future attempts of overthrowing our government. I mean, that's how important it is. If you don't hold people accountable, guess what? Somebody's going to do it again. And it could be a Democrat, it could be a Republican. It doesn't matter to me. There should be an example made of everybody that's involved in this so we don't go through it again. All the time Donald Trump was in office, people would say, well, that's not really illegal, but the norms tell you not to do that. Okay? He disregarded the norms. He did whatever the fuck he wanted. He made this country a mess and put us in all kinds of trouble. So if that's the case, and Merrick Garland is feeling uneasy about doing some things with prosecution and indictments and those sorts of things because he's afraid to break norms. Well, let me explain something to you, Merrick. This isn't normal. None of it is normal. What happened in the Donald Trump administration applied or complied with no norms. So if that's the case... We have to take the same attitude when it means going after them. Yeah, maybe under certain circumstances you may not do certain things, but this is totally different. They broke every norm. They broke every law. There is absolutely no reason for him not to do anything. Now, he's concerned about it looking political. So the fuck what? People broke the law. People have to be accountable so we don't have to go through this again. I am frustrated with Merrick Garland. He could be more verbal about what's happening and how it's happening. He could take more action, and I hope he does. But he's going to take a lot of heat. Now, see, here's the problem. Joe Biden, unlike Donald Trump, said he would stay out of the DOJ business. He would not tell them what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And the reason he said that is because that's the way it should be. These are separate bodies of government. Joe Biden, I guess, could um, use some influence with the DOJ and Merrick Garland, like Donald Trump did over and over and over again. But that's not the right way to do it. That's not how this country is built. So Joe Biden really can't do much other than say a few things here and there. He can't call up Merrick Garland and say, do this or you're fired. He really can't do that if he's going to be true to what democracy is all about. And we want him to do that. Now, that said, that doesn't mean pressure can't be applied to Merrick Garland. And that pressure has to come from us, the media, other government officials in various states or even in Congress. They've got to put that pressure on. We've got to expose people for who they are. And if Merrick Garland is inept or unable to do his job, he needs to feel that pressure to the point where he could lose his job. Joe Biden can do it, but we can. And I think that's something we should look at doing. We can't sit back and say, well, our guy won, just let him go, and hopefully he'll do the best. Because they don't always do the best. They play games. You see, they consider themselves elite above us. So instead of doing what we ask them to do or what we want them to do, they decide what's best for us. And I don't like that because I haven't seen too many politicians that can speak for me, whether they be Democrat or Republican. You know what we want to do. Fucking do it. 
You know what needs to be done in order to protect us in the future from possible other insurrections. Don't play games. Just fucking do it. So, anytime you get a chance to speak out on anything for that matter, but particularly Merrick Garland, you should speak out. People need to know what the people really think. And if we're never going to get any resolution or hold any of these people accountable, this is going to cause huge problems in this country. It's going to be a bad day in this country if people start to believe that Joe Biden, Merrick Garland, and the DOJ and Congress all failed us. I mean, we've got subpoenas going out. People saying, yeah, I don't want to show up. A subpoena from Congress and you just say, I don't want to show up for any bullshit reason. That's dangerous because it makes the Congress look as though it has zero power. And if our Congress has zero power, what's the fucking point? We don't need a Congress with zero power. We need a Congress that can get things done, hold people accountable and responsible, and do what needs to be done to take care of the situation. The moment it looks like they have no teeth, we're all in trouble in this country. So think about that. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. So late last week, we heard talk of the plans to vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill and the Build Back Better Reconciliation Bill. They said it would be Tuesday. Well, here we are, Tuesday. My guess is they won't vote on it today. Because earlier yesterday, Joe Manchin once again threw a hitch in the process. He said, well, I'm not going to vote on any reconciliation bill until the CBO puts their <laughs> puts their information out about the bill. That is the uh, Congressional Budget Office. They have to give a report on any bill that gets voted on. So what he said wasn't wrong. It's just the way he said it. No bill is going to get voted on until it goes through the CBO and they get the readout and the information from them. So that's not a surprise. It's just that he said it so forcefully, people are all excited about it and said, oh, Joe Manchin's going to sink this fucking thing again. And he may. I don't trust Joe Manchin. There's no reason in the world anybody should trust Joe Manchin. He's in it for himself. He doesn't give a shit about the country. I don't care what anybody says. I would love to sit down and talk to Joe Manchin. Probably wouldn't last long because he'd get up and walk away because he's a gutless piece of shit. But it would be nice to have that opportunity. I've seen some people follow him down the street and say some pretty straightforward shit. He doesn't handle it very well. He doesn't have any answers for it. So... The plan was to vote for both bills on Tuesday. Don't think that's going to happen on Tuesday. I still believe that both bills will be voted on and both will pass. They have to. A lot of shit will go down for a lot of people if it doesn't pass. And that's including Republicans. Because you see, Joe Manchin really wants the bipartisan bill. He needs to make it look like he's done something. He's maybe not as big a fan as the reconciliation bill, and he's been dicking around with it for months. But 
as we've talked about before, the bipartisan bill should pass pretty easily. It's already passed in the Senate, and it should pass in the House. The only problem is, is the progressive Democrats have said, and it's a deal they worked out before this was all even gotten to this point, so it's no surprise to anybody. But the progressives said, look, we'll pass a bipartisan bill, but you got to commit to pass the reconciliation bill. And when I say you, I mean Manchin and Cinema. They need 50 votes in the Senate in order for it to pass. Now, they've had all kinds of problems and concerns about it, which is ironic because it goes against everything they've said before. Their states will benefit immensely if this bill is passed, but they got to dick around. They got to show their power. They got to work with their ego. And as I've said before, what we need to do is get more Democrats in the Senate to make Joe Manchin and uh, Christian Cinema irrelevant. They have been irrelevant in the past, but now they've got this power, so they want to exercise it. So now Joe says, well, I'm not voting for anything until it goes through the CBO. As I said, well, that's not big news because no bill gets voted on until it goes through the CBO. And that may come later this week. But what he's suggesting is to vote for the bipartisan bill, get that passed, and then we'll work on the reconciliation bill. Well, we know the progressive Democrats aren't interested in that because they don't trust Manchin and Cinema. They have no reason to trust Manchin and Cinema. But they may have set themselves up in a good situation. See, Joe Manchin said, I can't believe they're holding the bipartisan bill hostage just to get what they want. Look, motherfucker, you guys expl- talked about this months ago. This was the deal. This is what you voted on. Then you changed the amount. Now you're changing whether you want to vote for it. This is just posturing bullshit. Either get down to business or get the fuck out of the business. So now it's kind of interesting because I didn't expect to see this. And I'm not sure how I feel about it. Now there's talk of actually... Voting on the bipartisan bill, maybe it's Tuesday, maybe it's Wednesday, whatever, passing that and then passing the reconciliation bill, which is the polar opposite of what the progressive Democrats want to do because they don't trust Manchin or Cinema. But now they're changing it because they're seeing this is causing problems, both with the polling for the president, these uh, elections that are coming up tomorrow. Um, it could cause a lot of problems. So they're looking to agree to uh, vote on the bipartisan bill before the reconciliation bill is voted for. Again, totally contrary to what what, uh, progressive Democrats were willing to do. Even Nancy Pelosi said, we're not voting on anything until the reconciliation bill is voted on. So now the story is, that Nancy Pelosi said, well, the president told me that we have 50 votes for the reconciliation bill in the Senate. He believes he's got it locked down, meaning Manchin and Cinema, to pass in the Senate. So based on what the president said, 
he's suggesting that it's okay to pass the bipartisan bill because don't worry about the reconciliation bill. As soon as the CBO report comes out, we'll put it in the Senate and get it passed. Okay. Well, if it was Donald Trump, I wouldn't believe him. Joe Biden, kind of believe him. But um, not for the reason you would think. Not that I think he's above board and uh, with everything and is going to fake everybody out. But Nancy Pelosi says, look, we should vote for the bipartisan bill first because I trust Joe Biden and what he told me. Even the progressive Democrats are now at that point where they say, I'll vote for the bipartisan bill because we trust Joe Biden. Now, should they trust Joe Biden? Well, they have no reason not to trust Joe Biden. But how do we know Joe Biden is in his right mind trusting Manchin and Cinema? I don't know. I mean, if you're president of the United States, there's got to be some power or leverage you can use against a sitting senator to make sure they do what they're supposed to do. But here's the problem. If they vote for the bipartisan bill and it passes, like Joe Manchin and Cinema wanted, including the Republicans, and then Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema take a shit and don't vote for the reconciliation bill, oh, there's going to be hell to pay. First of all, Joe Biden's going to look like a fool, an absolute fool. And I'll guarantee you, Joe Biden is going to be pissed. And if there's any power he has over Manchin and Cinema, he's going to exercise. Not only that, the people that would be responsible for screwing this up, Mansion and Cinema, they are going to get all kinds of heat. They're already getting heat from the press and from the public where they walk down the street. It's going to get very, very ugly for them. Now, there is one saving grace that uh, Nancy Pelosi has. It's kind of thin, but it would be helpful and it maintains a certain amount of leverage. They can vote for the bipartisan bill, get it passed, but then Nancy Pelosi has to send it to the president. But she doesn't have to send it immediately. She can hold on to it. Fuck, Mitch McConnell did that a hundred times. She can hold on to it and say, I'm not sending it to the president until this shit is clear. Now, I don't know how long she can do that for and if she can refuse to send it altogether. Fact is, I don't think she would... um, refuse to send it all together because that bipartisan bill, as much as it's good for the Republicans' image, it's good for the Democrats too. But if we go through this whole process, everybody believes everybody, and it goes to shit, who's the one that loses out? Not the politicians, you and I. This reconciliation package is going to do a lot of positive things for this country and for all of us. If they fuck around and fool us and leave us hanging, I think you can be mad at the Democrats, the Republicans, everybody. And it goes back to what I've said before. Our problem isn't all Democrat and all Republican and their adversarial relationship. It's about the whole fucking system. These people think they're above us and they will do what we th- they think we deserve or need, not as a... Not as much as what we want. They're playing fucking strict parents, and we aren't kids. 
If we vote you in and we tell you what we want you to do, you better fucking do it or you should be out the door the next election. Unfortunately, we have people with short memories and uh, not very bright. So that's how these people get voted in. But this is going to be an interesting thing come come this week. They pass the bipartisan bill, and if Manchin and Sinema and Biden do what they expect to happen and the reconciliation bill gets passed, that's actually a good sign because that means finally our government is starting to get back to where it's supposed to be, where the two sides are kind of working with one another. Not really, because remember, this reconciliation bill, not one Republican senator that we know of is going to vote for it. So all the good it does, they will try to take credit, but they have done nothing to pass this. The only arguments have been with Democrats amongst, them, amongst themselves. The progressives, Manchin and Cinema. That's all the arguments there. That's the only thing slowing it down. The Republicans aren't slowing it down because it's a reconciliation bill. They don't need any Republicans to vote for it. Uh, they just need all the Democrats to vote for it. So as we go through this this week, it'll be interesting to see what get passed and if the reconciliation follows up very quickly thereafter. If it does, it's all good. It's good for the Democrats, it's good for the Republicans, and more importantly, it's good for all of us. It'll change the perspective on Joe Biden, the Democrats, and things will be different in perception uh, than it is right now. You know, Joe Biden's losing ground in the polls, which really doesn't mean shit, because I don't think he's running in 2024, but... Everything will change. This will have a huge impact on the economy, on the uh, stock market. There'll be more jobs, better paying jobs, and it'll do nothing but good for this country. So we'll see what happens. I hope Joe Biden knows what he's doing. I hope he can actually pull it out like he says he does, because if he doesn't, there are going to be some pissed off hombres. And I'm going to be one of them. And I'm going to be the first one speaking out against Manchin, Cinema, and Biden for playing this fucking game and then losing it for us. All right. Now, there's some other things going on. You know, Mike Lindell, that dipshit, the pillow guy. His latest prediction is that Donald Trump will be back in office on November 23rd. Well, it's the second now. So we're talking three weeks from now, Donald Trump is supposed to be back in office. Now, we know that's not going to happen. We know that Mike Lindell has made many claims and many predictions, none of which have come true. It'll be interesting to see how he plays this off or if it's going to incite some other kind of violent behavior. But he claims Donald Trump will be in. Let's be honest. Mike Lindell, the pillow guy, he's from my home state. Fuck, his company's probably 10 miles from where I'm living. He's a joke. He's a piece of shit. His product sucks. And this guy should be finished off financially or whatever. Because he's just noise. Unimportant. Unvaluable noise in the system these days. You haven't heard too much of him lately. 
he's been kind of laying low a little bit. But as we get closer to twenty, the 23rd of the month, you're probably going to hear more from him. Now we got uh, elections, November 2nd. That would be the day I'm recording this. We've got the governor's race in New Jersey. The uh, Democratic incumbent is running against a Republican. Here's the weird thing, though, in New Jersey. It's been 45 years since a Democratic incumbent has got a second term. You know, that's just statistics. Who knows what's going to happen? Again, where we're at now is like no place we've been in history, so you really can't make that comparison. But we'll see what happens in New Jersey if they keep a Democratic governor. And, of course, the big race that they keep talking about is the uh, Virginia race. Youngkin, the Trump Republican, and uh, McAuliffe, the Democratic, former governor who's running again. For whatever reason, the media is putting a lot into this particular race. They seem to like to tell us that... uh, This could be the deciding factor on where the Democrats go in 2022. If McAuliffe loses, all is lost. Well, that's absolute bullshit. Here's the thing you need to know. In Virginia, Joe Biden won by 10 points there over Donald Trump. They want to make this race out to be close, and maybe it is close. I think McAuliffe will win, but even if he doesn't, I don't want to hear people crying and whining. No, it's over for the Democrats. That's just the bullshit that the media will tell you. They want to create the drama. They want to create the trouble, the strife, and all this shit so they can get better ratings. I don't think this race is going to be a deciding factor on 2022 for the Democrats in Congress. I think the fact that these uh, infrastructure and Build Back Better bills will pass will have more effect as a positive effect for the Democrats. I think as more and more of these Republicans get uh, indicted, investigated, prosecuted, and found guilty, that is going to help the Democrats in 2022. you got to look at the important things here, the things that are going to be the lasting effect for 2022. All of these things are going to last another year. People are going to benefit from the infrastructure and the Build Back Better bill for the next year. They're going to feel it. They're going to know it. They're going to remember it. These investigations and indictments and things will go on from now up until the election in 2022, and they'll keep going after that. Those will be the deciding factors in how the Republicans do in 2022. This governor's race... It'd be nice if the Democrat won, but it's really not going to determine anything, and I'm tired of hearing about it with the media. There's too many other things that will have a far bigger effect on what happens in 2022, and a lot of it we haven't seen yet, and uh, we can only hope that we will see it at some point. Now, we're hearing about uh, a lot of police officers walking off the job because they don't want to get the vaccination. They have rights. (laughs) They don't want to comply with the vaccination mandate. Okay, you want to walk off the job? Go ahead. 
Granted, it puts the various communities in, pro- in trouble because if you have less police force, there's more opportunity for more crime. But here's the ironic thing to me about police officers not willing to follow a mandate, not willing to comply with a mandate for a vaccination. They're not willing to do it. What's ironic about it is all the troubles we've seen with police officers, pushing people, killing people, hurting people, infringing on people's civil rights, they do it all the time. Now, my wife would tell me, well, not all are bad. That's true. Not all police officers are bad. But in any police force, you only need three or four of them to be bad, and the fucking force is in trouble. You don't need them all to be bad. Because, you see, what happens is you have the bad ones, and then you have the good ones. But the good ones aren't willing to pressure and call out the bad ones. So the good ones are just as bad as the bad ones. But all through these troubles from George Floyd on up, What did we hear the Republicans say? What did we hear the police say? Just do what you're told. Comply and you won't get hurt. Comply and you won't have problems. That's what they've told us for fucking two years. Just comply. Just comply. But now when they have to comply with a legal mandate, they won't comply. Well, that's kind of ironic, isn't it? I mean, this mandate is legal, and they will say, well, I have my right. You don't have your fucking rights in this case. When you have a private company or a government organization that makes a mandate, you have to follow it. You had to follow it when they had passed the seatbelt law. You had to follow it with any laws they pass that restrict us from doing something that might be dangerous to ourselves. You have to follow those mandates. Now, there's no question that COVID kills a lot of people, 750,000 people to date. But you don't want to comply with a mandate. How in the fucking world can you ask us to comply over illegal or things against our rights? Expect us to comply just so we won't get hurt. But you can't comply with a vaccine mandate. Your argument sucks. It's weak. It's lame. And you look stupid by saying this. I'm not one to suggest that we defund the police. When they came up with that idea, that term, that was the dumbest fucking thing they could ever do. Because what they meant wasn't what it sounded like. What it sounded like is, well, we're just not going to give the police any more money and we'll just get rid of the police. Well, that's a fucking stupid idea. Of course it is. We have crime in our cities, and we have to address those cities. So to suggest to defund the police is just stupid. And I have to blame Democrats or civil civil leaders or whatever who are using that term because that fucked it up for you. If you used a better term and you gave some examples of what you wanted to do, you would have gotten a lot farther than by screaming, defund the police. That was fucking stupid. You failed. Now you got to figure out how better to explain it and how to get it done. You caused a delay in addressing the police by coming up with that stupid term. I sometimes am amazed (laughs) how people in power 
can be so stupid, be so unaware of what they're doing, or just blatant about lying or bullshitting the public. I can tell you this, the public's getting tired of being bullshitted. And uh, you keep hearing the Republicans talk about a civil war. Well, let me tell you something. If we're dealing with the anti-abortion things in Texas, you're pissing off the women of this country. And that's not a good thing to do. If you're trying to dick around with money coming back to the middle class, that's going to piss off a lot of people. The fact of the matter is, with all the things going on, if we keep getting screwed and lied to and cheated and stolen from, the people on the other side, the Democrats and the liberals, they're going to get fucking angry. And it could get out of hand, too. And there's a lot more of them than the 25% base Trumplifucks. We're in a position right now with this country that there could be all kinds of violence, but it could come from all sides because people are feeling pressure. They're feeling hurt. They're feeling cheated. They're feeling like they've been stolen from or lied to. People will only take that so long. It doesn't make a difference if they're Democrats or Republicans. They are going to react. Now, how they're going to react, I don't know, but it's not going to be positive. So it's about time our politicians, our police officers, understand they aren't in control. They aren't our parents. They don't get to tell us what we must do in spite of the fact that we don't want to do it. They all represent us. They all work for us. So they need to do that, do what we want, the people who put them there. And if they refuse to do that, in a matter of time, people are going to get fucking angry. And they are going to do something about it. What? I don't know. Hopefully it's not violent, but it's going to be aggressive. Vote everybody out. Democrat, Republican, get rid of them all. Get rid of every incumbent that we have. I've heard people say that. And that may not be a bad idea, but we'll see. Anyway, I'm running down to the final moment of the Rational Boomer podcast. Again, if you have questions, comments, complaints, email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, look for Rational Boomer Podcast, and leave me a voicemail. Love to hear from you. Let's wrap it up, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time. Next time.